Jackson. G'day. Who have we got here? How you doing? This is Mark, and uh, I got Brendan here with me. What's going on, brother? Mark and Brendan, lovely to meet you both. How are things over there in Stockton, California? Yes. Uh, everything's everything is going to hell right now, man. Riots, everything. Real life Gotham City. Seriously. Yeah, well, I think that's that's one way they can fix the Snyder Cut is or fix Justice League. <laughs> they can just put the camera in the streets, right? There's got to be a positive out of this. Yeah, yes. no. Warner Brothers like, hey, everyone, just calm down. It's yeah. out now. Much money on B-roll would be great. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's a bit like the Dark Knight Rises, right? In the second half of that movie, when it all goes to shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just it's all just like panic in the streets. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey man, yeah. so uh, Dan gonna join us, or is uh, gonna be just you? It's just me. It's just me. So Dan's pretty busy with his schedule at the moment and some other projects he's working on. So it'll just be the three of us. Yeah, perfect. We got uh, we got one more person coming right now, but we're it's already recording right now, so don't even worry about it. We'll probably, we'll just put it up just like this. Yep, fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I know it's like what, like twelve o'clock over there right now. That's right. Yeah, here in Melbourne, Victoria, it's twelve p.m. midday. The sun is shining, beautiful, not too warm. It's typically pretty cold around this time of year in Melbourne, and it's lovely. Nice. I feel like I just got off Southwest right now. I feel like I just wow. Just great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting over there. I'm sure it'd take like a cool like what like twelve hours to try to get over there. Uh, it, to yeah. It's, it's probably it's probably closer there. to about fifteen or sixteen. Ooh, ooh man. Ooh, not, I, not that you're coming over here anytime soon, but it's a while. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Take the scenic route. How far right. do you all live out of LA? Uh, we're about six hours. Yeah, about, yeah, six hours. Yeah, and then we're about two hours from San Francisco. Okay, with wow. traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, with traffic. With yeah, that's, that's fair enough. How often do you do those? Do you do the big drives to the big cities? Not very often, I imagine. Uh, no, not really. Like, uh, so what we do, like, every year we'll go to San Francisco just to hang out. And then um, last year we went to um, LA to go see Star Wars. Uh, oh. we were, like I wanted to do my thing. I was like, you know what? I've I've never been to the Chinese theater, and I was like, you know what? I, I want to go out there. So me and Brendan got to go out and check out the city. It, it's beautiful out there in LA. The greatest movie, by the way. I, I no one will doubt me on this at all. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no comment. comment. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we started like two o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Just everything added up. I was like, oh. So what, what did you think about the whole film experience of that last Star Wars film? What, what do we got? Thank God it was over. <laughs> <laughs> I know my man was like, oh, finally credits. That didn't, was my favorite part. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't get your money's worth, huh? No, I, I believe I saw that a couple of weeks after it came out and it was a cheap movie screening. I was living in Brisbane at the time, which is much farther north here in Australia than Melbourne is. And up mm. there, it's not as dense, not as populated. So a lot of the theaters have like uh, six or eight dollar movies, which if we translate that to US, it's probably spending five or six dollars to go to the cinemas. And I went there, or it wasn't that busy, and I still feel like I was ripped off. Oh, oh man! Yeah, we have like a couple of those here, but it's like for really, really old—not well, really old movies, but like movies that are already on DVD. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Fox Theater did like what Gremlins and the old Star Wars films. No, no, I'm talking about like, for example, like you say, if the theaters were open right now, and oh, then, like, I got like you, yeah. Bloodshot would be. Uh, right now like it wouldn't be like a movie that's like a month old it's funny you should say bloodshot here in australia we're about to reopen cinemas in about three four weeks time um and we and we have we have movie drive-ins reopening from not this monday but but i believe the monday coming so in about a week's time and at the movie drive-ins one of the pretty much every drive-in will be having screenings of bloodshot and i can't imagine anyone going to see that no matter how starved you've been of the movie going experience (laughs) you're not going to go see bloodshot that was a terrible picture yeah, we'll just we'll put any other Vin Diesel movie as Triple X. Wow, the, the, the world opens with Bloodshot. That's great. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> forget about Tenant. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's right. A little, little, uh, little light at the end of the tunnel. Just oh. a little bit. Yeah, I don't. Uh, here, over here, um, Regal already put out their like. As far as like opening, we don't have any timeline or anything. It was. It's just kind of like it. Just it's just nothing. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, absolutely. Over there in the US, you've been one of the hardest hit countries. In fact, I, last I heard, the deaths there had um, risen over 100,000. And 
I think with over a million infections, it's one of the highest mortality rates. So that's pretty tragic. And you've got, given the current situation, who kind of knows when it's all going to get resolved? Um, here in Australia, it's looking far less grim. I believe we've had just over 100 deaths and many of them oh, have wow. come from certain clusters. Um, we had a cruise liner very early on in the COVID pandemic that, um, that docked at a city and was allowed to let its several hundred passengers off. And I think maybe 20 or 30 people from that one cruise liner had passed away. But we've, um, mm. we've we've contained it here. Here in Australia, we're very spread out. So we might have two, I think we have maybe four or five million people here in Melbourne, and that's one of the more densely populated cities. And to go to another big city, it's like 10 or 12 hours away. You're going to the other side of the country. So we can stay very isolated, unlike yourselves over there, where there's just people everywhere. Oh, yeah, man. It's just like like where we're at, it's, just, it's a cluster of cities, and then it's a big city. That's just how, like, it would be like Sacramento and then a bunch of, like, little towns. So, like, there's there's hardly, like, the only real, like, room is just, like, by freeways, really. Yeah, that, that, that explains a lot, though. I mean, I think Corona's probably afraid of Australia. You guys have, like, giant spiders and death. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll fight it off with the kangaroos and koalas. <laughs> exactly. They're the ones fighting everything over there. Ooh, the Komodo dragons. Man. Yeah, that's, that's great. Awesome, man. I, uh, so, Jackson, we uh, I gave you the... Um, the lineup that we were going to talk about. And so I, I figured we'd just start now. Uh, one, of the, one of the main things I want to hit up was uh, since we're speaking about like theaters opening, um, one of the things I was wondering is like, do you think tenants will try to force theaters open as far as like Warner brothers are like, Hey, this is a big movie. Let's try to figure something out. So this movie could come out. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. You've got there, Mark. And, Dan and I actually had quite the heated debate on our most recent episode released on the We Watch This podcast, which was on bad education. We started that episode having a chat about Tenant and how much money this is going to make. And I was doubtful at that point that cinemas were going to open. Um, just as we started recording, we received word here in Australia and particularly in Victoria, the state where Dan and I live, that cinemas would be reopening and allowing up to 50 patrons. Um, we're unsure of the guidelines, if there's going to be hand sanitizer everywhere if, or if they'll close certain seats in certain rows. But at least as far as we know, up to no more than 50 patrons per screening from about June 22nd. And if Tenant is due to release in July, then in Australia, we could definitely see Tenant coming out here. However, I, I doubt very much that if the US aren't ready to open, as well as some other major countries come July, I don't believe Tenant is going to be opening here in Australia. There's obviously a lot of fear about pirating, and once Reddit gets a hold of some of these pitches, they're going to pull them down. So I don't believe Tenant is going to reopen theatres come July. I don't think one movie is going to force theatres to reopen. Yes, the industry has been hit really hard, but the public health, public safety has to be the number one concern. Right, yeah. Because actually, I want to go back to like what you just said right now. It's like, uh, as far as like the pirating, because if that movie only plays in Australia... And in a place for a few weeks, and that'll leak over to other countries, and then they'll get it free. And of course, they're not going to want to watch it when it does go to theaters. It's just like it's it's a big it's a big mess. Yeah, especially, as far as that. especially with how tight uh, no one's really keeping this film to the. T I mean, he's released previews, uh, confusing previews, at least for me. I'm still trying to figure out what this is about. I mean, I know it's like time travel and that sort of thing. I think it's like a, a, a universe. Really it's like a universe, but a parallel universe that just goes backwards. And they're able uh, to go back and forth between the universes. Yeah, it's still that you've lost me. Yeah, <laughs> I just I think that's just. Weird. Yeah. yeah. No, every time Nolan comes up with one of these concepts, I'm just like, okay, dude. But he's playing it so close to the chest that I, I agree. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to risk any leakage from um you know internationally. That would, that would be bad. No, definitely not. Here in Australia, we're pretty not notorious pirates on the internet for stealing things and uploading it here, there, and everywhere. Nolan is notorious for hiding many of the details as his films. As I'm sure you're both aware, he very rarely does any kind of. Um, any kind of interviews and doesn't hold many press screenings or things like that. When the guy's already ruled the dreamscape, gone to space and back, what else can he do but kind of manipulate time? He's running out of uh, ideas in his, in his bag of tricks. Yeah, oof, I hope not. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so, because I, I think Tenet, like, I think Tenet will be on the level of maybe like Interstellar was. As, like, I haven't seen it, but I just, I think, I have a gut feeling about it. Like, I think it'll be on that level. You, I don't you've know surely seen like Inception, haven't you, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't seen Interstellar until a couple months ago myself. That was kind of that picture I've been putting off for a while because I'd heard so many polarizing opinions about it. It um certainly lived up to expectations when I saw it a month ago, a couple months ago. So I definitely implore you to go see it. 
probably before Tenant, um, because it's it is a very different picture for Christopher Nolan, and it's him kind of turned up to eleven, the best and his worst at play. But revisiting into uh, Inception, I should say when we get closer to Tenant is going to be interesting if Tenant does indeed drop in July. What do you both think about that question you posed? Will theatres force a reopen for Tenant? It's, I think it, it's, it's one of those things where you have to weigh out, again, public safety and money. I mean, the film just certainly doesn't want to lose money, although they are, but you certainly don't want to lose people because without people, you can't see the film. So it's just, there has to be, uh, it has to level out. There has to be a point where, the you know the virus is slower but the, some sort of normalcy has to happen it has to be a chaotic normal almost if that makes sense for them to even think about at least on this side um, of the world to open to open up i don't i don't think that um, any film is going to be something that's going to motivate people to open past public safety yeah and, and to go off your thing brandon because I'm, I'm thinking about this too like if theaters do open and they only open up like every third seat Right. That's only going to be half a theater, if that. Right. So I figured if that that amount of money will only equal to, say, if they put it on a streaming service, mm-hmm. I think it would equal about the same amount of money. It depends on who has access. I mean, there's a great majority who do. But like if you put it on HBO Max, somehow, yeah. that, they, I mean, Warner Brothers, I think they own or they're part with HBO. They do. Again, it's going to be a split because I know, I mean, it's accessible, but it's not accessible. There's a lot of people can't get these streaming services who can't you know, it's just like when i went to go see i didn't have a lot of streaming services when i first started but yeah. now i do but it's just about access i'm not you know we received netflix over here in australia in i want to say it was probably mid 2015 is when i remember that. and that was the, that was the first streaming service and certainly the most popular one and obviously still is now not just in australia but globally um, now I'm looking at the the statistics here for Tenant. It's on. It's got a reported budget of 205 million. Um, we can imagine that the marketing budget for that has probably been slashed significantly because it's going to be far less TV spots, far less far less efforts put into print media as well as put into social media advertising because people at this point just aren't going. They're not going to go to the movies. Um, right, so right. if that needed 400 or 450 million or maybe even 500 let's say to break even and we can only fill a third of the cinemas and i believe it we i believe there was a report that came out mentioning 80% of the world's theaters would need to be open for this to break even did you hear about that no i, I didn't hear about that yeah i, I didn't i didn't hear about that okay either. okay i it might have been GQ or someone that did report this, but if we need a heck of a lot of theatres to be open, particularly the US, but only a third of them, then it's looking very unlikely. Rounding back to the point of Netflix, this on a streaming service, is that really... I guess people would definitely tune in to see Nolan's films on a streaming service and the premiere of one to bring in four, mm-hmm. 400 or 500 million. We don't know how much Ted Sarandos is making, for example, so I guess it could do it. Um, you mentioned HBO Max there, gentlemen. HBO Max, what price point is that coming in at, over in the US? Uh, let's let's see. I don't yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I know it's 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 huge right now. It's got to be like 10 something bucks. Uh, let, me, let me check real quick. Oof. All right. I'm going to do a quick inter- internet search. I mean, is, is the, does the price point change at all over over where you're at for the streaming services? Well, if we were going to get something like HBO Max, we'd have to be accessing that through v, through a VPN. And shout out to our quick We Watch This podcast sponsor, ExpressVPN, expressvpn.com slash we watch this. Hope you guys don't mind the shameless plug there. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, hey. Well, we always love a good shameless plug. Hey, yeah. ExpressVPN, I, I heard of, like a cool little uh, life hack with that. Like uh, we could log into like your guys' location. And check out stuff that not in American Netflix that's over there. You are exactly $15. correct, Mark. We received uncut gems over here before yourselves did in the US. I'm jealous. Oh, sweet. I, I, but then again, too, I heard you guys got like barely got Doom Patrol right now. Barely got what? Sorry? Uh, Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah. You, ca- you can't get that over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was heard. I was like, wow, you guys barely like, because we're already on like the second season. Yeah, we have um we have a cable service over here known as Foxtel, and the fox in Foxtel comes from Rupert Murdoch's Fox, and that cable service rules a lot of um 
premiere and prestige programming with an iron fist. So much of the CW content isn't available on any streaming services, only available on Foxtel. Foxtel over here in Australia have maybe three or four different streaming programs that you can pay for. It's a bit of a mess, um, but a lot of HBO content is coming to a new one known as Binge. How much was that price point coming in there, Brendan? 15 bucks. Yeah, 15 bucks. And they, I think you get like a free week right? Yeah. By the way, we got our, our third member back. He's he's coming through. Mr. Mr. David, he's here. Buenos dias. He only speaks Spanish. Yeah, this is uh, uh, <laughs> Rick, yeah, this is Jackson. Jackson? Yeah. Jackson. Hey, David, how you I'm doing? Sorry, Ms. Jackson, for being late. I'm doing good. I'm just, uh... Oh, fantastic. Even better now you're here. Oh, 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 so yeah. oh, I mean, how can I not be speaking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but because uh, there's a, another podcast I listen to. Um, I'm, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Weekly Planet. Yeah, Mr. Sunday Movies and Nick Mason. Yeah, and they always rag on on Firefox. So, like, it's the worst thing ever. Uh, they just don't like using it. Yeah, it is. And so I, I sell over for complete raw. It, it would cost you about $129 Australian per month to have all their programming. So that comes in at a price Ooh. point of what, like 65, oh, probably like 60, $65 US per month. It's just a raw. It's a total, total scam. And do you still get like FX and, and all that stuff or is it just local channels? We do get FX, yes, but it's not it's not direct pramming. It's 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 still um it's it's still kind of torn apart and programmed by people over here. So we don't just we don't just get US channels, we get US programming, I'll call it. Oh, so, so do you get like Atlanta and Dave and all that? Uh I don't even know if we get those two programs. I only pay only pay for some mm-hmm. of uh some of Foxtel's services. I heard I heard you mention uh, you don't get CW. Uh, you're not missing out on much. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Flash is trash. Yeah, Flash is trash now. The only good show is yeah, Black Lightning. I'm not oh, going to be biased. That was trash. I've seen those three episodes, and I haven't, uh, I haven't tapped in since then. All I see is I'm, I'm black. I have superpowers. How dare you? How black power. So please Lightning. Lightning. <laughs> That's all it is. Hey, that's, that's all it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with this, but still, that's all it is. To be honest, yeah, yeah. yourself. <laughs> Are you still there, Jenga? <laughs> yeah, no, Jack- Jackson already left. Now he's like, it's too much. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just <laughs> leave you to it. Don't worry about me. I've said my piece. He's like, I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. <laughs> he's like, I got no comment. Yeah, he has some, he has some serious thoughts on the matter, but he's keeping to himself. It's okay. He doesn't want to get trouble with his Australian brothers. Oof. So what was what was next on the on the agenda? Uh, well, because um, the news came out that Avatar was going to get a Netflix movie. Mm. I think that was the was it a movie or a show? Nervous. Was it? Yeah, either it was going to be a show or a movie, and I was like, you know what? I wonder. Let's get that redo, but let's get it right. <laughs> yeah, clar- clarification: We are talking about Last Airbender, not the Blue Alien. Yeah, not the James Cameron. This this one time, this one time. Are we not <laughs> talking about the M-, M Night Shyamalan picture? That's what I re- that's what I prepared notes for. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. I, I was saying, like, uh, if if Netflix does it, like, what would you want to see done? What would I want to see done? Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what would you? I don't know if you've ever seen the show or not. I, I personally, I watched the first season of the show uh, for the first time in a long time, a couple over the week, and then I watched the movie. So I was just kind of preparing myself for it. I've got some friends that are big fans of this. Um, but with, with so much different content out there and only so many hours of the day, it's kind of tough to get around and do everything. Um, yeah, I, I did some research into looking into who are some of the fan cast so far for a potential series. And that, there are some big names out there, particularly Polynesian actors and people of Asian descent, mm. which makes a lot of sense. Um, oh, I don't want to get too lost in who could be in this, particularly big names, because we're still not even sure what kind of budget or what's going to be involved, right? Right. It's just, it's a, hey, it, it'll be on Netflix. We don't even really know if it's going to be like a mini series or not. Dwayne, the rock Johnson as Aang. As Aang. <laughs> there you go. Hey, all it needs yeah. is a nice robe and just the arrow on his Yeah, Katara and Sokka, they're still children. But Aang, <laughs> <laughs> but Aang the rock. Like that Bambi thing they did on this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, so I know like they were supposed to start shooting for the for the show 
from that they were filming, not the movie, Mark, the show. Yeah, Mark. Right? Yeah. In January of this yeah. year. They were supposed to. That's what was supposed to happen. But of course, because of this whole corona uh, situation, it's all been postponed. Yeah. So Lord knows when we're getting it now. Mm, never. never. No, never. 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 I'm calling it never. I don't know. You know what I was thinking though? I was like, because I watched the movie and I was like, man, fundamentally, this thing just gets, <laughs> it gets, wrong. first, it gets characters, every single character wrong. Yeah. There's every, a Russian death. They're, they're rushing three books into an hour and a half. It's one yeah. book. No, they finished just one book. Did they do? I thought they did. No, just, no it's one. Oh. For the was Dev Patel in that movie? Or am I remembering wrong? Yeah, yeah he was, um, what's, what's that? The one with the, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Zuko. Zuko. Okay, I remember Zuko. And that's about it. And I remember a lot of really dodgy CGI. And I remember Aang getting kidnapped about six times in an hour and a half. Yeah. I would love to see Dev Patel again come back. Because, like, he's he's really, like, between, like, this and Lion, like, he's, he's really got his chops uh, since that movie. Are you on the outdoor? But I would, you know, I'd love to see, like, Peter Jackson come in and direct this. Really? Yeah, because, like, Avatar is, like, a, a big, like, we're traveling a lot. Like a lot of that part yeah, of that show is traveling. Yeah. I think Peter Jackson could get like that aspect right because he did that pretty well with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the long movies. I hope it's not nearly as long. Yeah, but I was thinking like, okay, yeah. what if you put out like four episodes, mm-hmm. put the first two out, and then wait like a year and then put the other two out. So all, how long was for the first book then? No, they would just yeah. they would just be those like if we're gonna do this Avatar thing, only those four episodes. Oh, that's it. Yeah, and then like those two, those two episodes could cover like the first season, and then I still think that'd be, that'd be way too rushed. Yeah, like, there's 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 a lot. Like I'd I know say Avatar at least Man five episodes. They've got, they've got to be I'd dropping at least ten episodes, whether it's a 30, 30 minute episode, forty five minute, like it's an hour on TV, or even an hour long if it's something like HBO programming in the vein of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Making a live action Avatar show, regardless of who's casting it, is going to be big, big money because it's effects heavy. You've you've I imagine you have, you'd have to shoot a lot on location and it's really gorgeous scenery, but it's going to be expensive places to film. They're going to have to get their money's worth. So they couldn't just get two yeah. episodes out and come back and, and drop two more a year later. Plus they've got to, they've got to smash it out of the park. You've got a really rabid fan base. Ones who have already experienced a terrible live action adaptation, almost as bad as Dragon Ball evolution. They don't want to let too many people Ooh, down. Yeah. That's a beautiful work of art. We do not invoke, invoke no, the name A quick little side story, Jackson. I have a buddy who's really, really into yeah. Dragon Ball. And uh, what it is, I put a poster of Dragon Ball Evolution up on his ceiling. Uh, except my friend, he's, um, he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> so he just had this poster up on his wall. And I was like, hey. Hey Adam, um, you know what I'll do? I'll take the poster down if you watch the movie with me. And so we watched the movie, and then I got up and left. <laughs> and yeah, finally he took like a broom, and then he just he just like started stabbing the ceiling until the poster just started ripping off. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of people. Oh, that's, that's that's really Mark, you, you better you better be making that the uh, the trailer for your show on Spotify, Apple Podcasting, everywhere. Just that, just that joke. That's that's gold. Let's go, man. And and the, and the poster for some reason was like in Turkish. <laughs> yeah, which just adds to the confusion and weirdness of the whole thing. Just, oh my God. It gives it culture, man. I it's think it gives it cultural spin. Gives it a cultural spin. Uh, I'm not on that. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. Just going back to like what you said, Jackson. Like, you would have to shoot a lot of location. I think because that show has a lot of. Uh, foreign aspects to it, a lot of Asian, a lot of Pacific Islands, um, a lot of like Samoan. I'm ass- I'm assuming too. Yeah, so you- you'd have to shoot a lot. Like yeah, their budget, they're going, they're going directly to the South Pole. Then they're gonna go all the way to the North yeah. Pole. And then they go into China. You know. Yeah, you know what? If 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 we are going to involve some Polynesian people of descent, why not just get Taika Waititi involved? Put his name on it, and you've probably got another fifteen million in the price tag. <laughs> And have him play. Uh, I don't know if you remember. No, he has to play Hitler. No, no, he has to. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Earth, the Earth Nation. Uh, King, King Boomy. Boomer. Oh Boomy. Yes. yes. Oh yeah, Boomy. Yeah. Yeah. Just his whole man. Oh, I would love that. But I mean, that speaking of him, just side point, he is in and out of the park. Star Wars, Marvel. He is just Jojo Rabbit. That man is. Yeah, he's busy. <laughs> in, in a good way too. I like that you stay busy like that. Yeah. What else was he attached yes. to that's coming out soon? 
or or at least or at least uh, yeah, he's very tied in for Star Wars. Oh movie. yes, of course. And, and then there's been some talks. I don't I don't know about now, but uh, there was talks that he was going to do a live action Akira. Ooh, Akira. Oh, uh, Akira. Yeah, and um, uh, but there was talks about like maybe him coming off because he was too busy with other stuff. But then maybe it might happen still, and they'll just push Akira back. I would, lo- I would love to see a live action Akira. That that would be that's that a be tough gorgeous. project to make. You know who'd make for a great director of that? Denis Villeneuve. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, he killed it with Blade Runner. I mean, Blade Runner is basically just Akira. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Get those visuals down. That'd be great. Yeah, it, it, but yeah, it, it would be, yeah, it'd be fairly tough too, just because like that that movie is gorgeous too, but it's very slow. Yeah, very slow, very very typical of anime, particularly there in the late eighties, right? Yeah, that was like that, like oh, anime is it's, is it's a like thing. high I think art. That's like, yeah, I know over here in America, I think that's like one of those movies that really started getting it kind of mainstream. Yeah, and that started pushing stuff into the nineties. Yeah, had like a cult following. For a while. Yeah, a huge cold fall. Now it's like uh, we were supposed to get an IMAX release of that movie um, like last month or something. And of course, it never yes. happened. So. Yes, but I, I believe see that we I... were too. Did that, if that released in 1989, I believe I'm probably way off there. But it's last year for the 30th anniversary, it might have been in some select theaters here in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, I, I knew it was like some type of anniversary. And I was like, oh, I would have, I would have loved to see it in IMAX because I know um, one of the big cities over there is called the Patreon. Um, that that th- that theater over there is is gorgeous. You, did you folks have any uh, like really nice theaters out there? Like some, because I mean, here in LA we've got the Chinese TLC theater, which I it was beautiful to look at, huge oh, yeah. screen. But I was wondering if you guys had anything like that down. down Not so much. We have some boutique chains down here. So, for example, more around the city, um, this the city and CBD of Melbourne, and I live about an hour out here. Still suburbia, still populated, um, but it, around Melbourne mm-hmm. and in some other states, we do have a chain known as the Palace Theatres. So that that's more of a, a luxury yeah. experience. The price tag's not too steep. You can purchase alcohol and bring that into movies and get some nice food. We have, of course, your gold class experience, which again, that might be something you bring in your date or a um or a friend maybe to their birthday. We here in Melbourne do have an IMAX theater. Um, and there are some releases that I'd okay. love to see there, particularly Tenant, if that does happen to come out. Seeing Akira at IMAX would be whew. Oh man, see that that's the thing about these films, like not potentially not being in these main theaters, is that there are some movies, some directors you you have to see in theaters. It's the experience, it's the sound, you don't it's have the visuals. To, you, know, you could do like I do, just do it free. But even better, you could just watch it on your phone. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, uh, I got, no, I got no. another. Hey, this is my Australian yeah. brother now. Hey, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take seventy millimeter over anything any Bro. day. Oh. It's only a matter of time before we get movies on our calculators, like how you can play Doom on a calculator. <laughs> I know, we're gonna, we're gonna revert back to iPod Shuffles. Oh, <laughs> we'll uh, yeah, exactly. It'll be like the Black Mirror. We'll have the contacts and it'll just be our brand. <laughs> you know? We all get to <laughs> lose all senses. No, cinema must live. No, live. <laughs> yeah, just, it's like that, that experience never go away. I don't think it just a trip to the movies is always like it's it's a it's like bowling almost, right? You always want to go bowling. Oh, I thought you were saying that. Yeah. Mark, we've got some great conversation uh, here talking about the movie-going experience. Doesn't this segue very nicely into the next question that you posed? What are the aspects of a film that invoke the chosen emotions from said director? Ooh, yeah, this is, this is Brendan's question. Brendan, you yes, posed this. Yeah. Brendan, what's your answer? Well, let me tell you something. See, when, when you go see a movie, when you go see cinema, there's just the aspect, at least for me, it's color and it's sound. It's not even dialogue. It's color, sound, and what, what, what am I seeing on the screen? Because if, like, say there was, like, maybe like a horror film, it was just a black screen, but you, there was this, this rumbling, this sort of bassy sort of eeriness in the back. You, I'm going to be terrified. Like, it, it invokes, I don't even have to see anything on the screen for me to know something is coming. But that the, the the way they carefully manipulate the sound and even color to just like reds are like you know passion or anger. Green can be I don't know confusion or something like that. But it's 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 a mixture of how you incorporate the sound and the color and how it translates to 
even what you're going through personally, sometimes I got really emotional watching Spider-Verse for some reason. I have oh, no I'm, idea. I'm right there. I'm right there. Right there. You are yeah. not alone there, Brandon. I think everyone got wrapped up in that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know. That. When, when his uncle died, I was like, ah. no. Well, it wasn't even the first time. It was like recently. I'd seen it five times. And this one time I was like, why am I, why am I tearing up? It was just, it was a way they did it. I just, I couldn't. It invoked that emotion. I don't know how or why, but it's oh, I think Spider-Verse was the yeah, masterclass in, in, um, in color and sound in particular. It was... I don't want to. I don't want to draw too many comparisons or something like that to a Christopher Nolan movie, but the music was so overwhelming and the color was so overwhelming that you you truly felt the emotion. And being an animated feature, when you've got several directors and so many different hands on the project, it's like everyone else adds something, gets another element in there. That's something animation kind of hits that live action always doesn't. Oh, I shouldn't say always. Sometimes doesn't. Yeah, it just it just depends. Oh my god. <laughs> David's uh, he's harassing us. Always oh, not us, just job. Brendan. Just yeah. Brendan. Just Brendan. No, but I, I totally get where you're coming from. It's just, well, what do you think, Mark? Uh, yeah, because I, I was thinking about this question too. The movie that came to mind was Arrival. Oh, oh I yeah, for some reason, it just I think the oh okay. Well, oh man, spoiler. Yeah, there's a huge like the part I'm about to be is a spoiler, and it's a, like it's the movie basically at do, that point. Do you mind oh, just. All right, lay it on me. Come on. We, we've come this far, gents. We've we got to give the listeners something. Yeah, so in Arrival... Sorry, Jackson, i got to do it to you. Um, the aliens come, and they have this uh, ability to... Their, their time works differently than ours. Our time is parallel. There's a start to an end, but their time is circular. So they could go at any point in time, right. past, present. And so... But the only way to do that is, is for us the humans to connect with the aliens. They, we have to learn their language. Once we learn their language, uh, our time works uh, the way it's there does. And so in the movie, there's a uh, scientist who has a daughter who passes away. And you don't find out about that until the end of the movie. Uh, but, but by the end of the movie, though, she's already learned how to uh, reverse time and go back and forward. And so there's a scene in that movie where you, you finally find it all out. The, the music hits. There's a bunch of quick cuts and you see the like, oh, her daughter was dead the whole time. And it's it's really, really emotional. Okay, so since you've just spoiled the shit out of that, I'm gonna spoil Interstellar for you. <laughs> okay, so yeah. that's that's very much the same twist in the in the, the third and final act of Interstellar, where we find out that um that Matthew McConaughey's character has crossed over into maybe a fourth or a or a fifth dimension and he's been helped there from some external um ambivalent forces who may or may not be humans in the future and they're allowing him to kind of transport through time and he's got to work out how to do that and and communicate with his daughter so we've got two films there two sci-fi movies released within several years of each other with very similar themes and concepts um but it sounds like to me that that's another movie that you kind of get swept up in right yes. oh you you absolutely will get swept up by it because you'll watch it you'll it, it's very confusing um, I think the thing that will keep you connected to that movie is just how gorgeous it looks. And, and of course, because uh, by the, when that movie's going on, a lot of the humans are like, these aliens are here. Let's just attack them. Right. It just it becomes like a, uh, people get really insecure and they don't know why they're here. I think so that might be your American mindset here. over here in Australia. We're happy to have a beer with them. <laughs> That's how we do in America. Just shoot so everything down. America, hell yeah. You know, it was it was funny that you mentioned that Interstellar though, because that you remember that scene with McConaughey and he's he's watching his daughter grow up because he lost oh, so much time on my that heart. gravity planet. Don't, don't break it again, Brandon. Please just, don't do this uh, again to me. Yeah, <laughs> he's just. I'm like, oh man, like I know there's got to be a father or somebody out there who's like who's lost oh. time with their kid, and that just hit in a way that like I'm I felt like, oh, I, I fell to pieces at that point, a- and I think I cried for the next two hours. Oh, hey, it's good. Oh, get, it's get very it out, good. Man. Get it out. <laughs> and, and the camera will just stay on just Matthew McConaughey, and he, you just see him just bawling, and you just hear the audio in the background of, oh, um, you know, she's growing up, and his dad passes away, and it, it's just all happening in that moment. Oh, it's, that's that's um that's that's touching stuff. Uh, Brendan, you made a great point on this question before when you mentioned color and sound. Are uh, y'all familiar with the works of yeah. David Lynch? 
David Lynch. Yeah, 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 like a razor head. So I want to point to a couple of his features. So things like color, it's red is often very aggressive and violent in some of his movies, like Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me and Mulholland Drive. And he uses a lot of blues and the blues that he colors a lot of his films with. And it's even just sometimes just got blue studio lights, just how it's lit is is fascinating you feel very sad and you feel emotional and disturbed and i think that's very powerful in cinema and then another director when i thought about this question that came to mind was jonathan demi jonathan demi uh that's um uh he did i you know i that name sounds familiar yeah that's cool so he did silence of the lambs and philadelphia and you Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. he only passed away a couple years ago, rest in peace. So some of his pictures, particularly how he frames his shots, and he does these extreme close-ups on his actors, and he has them right center frame. Probably his most emotional film is Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. And there's this beautiful sequence when Tom Hanks has been riddled by AIDS and a lot of the movies about the gay panic, and he's dancing and singing to this opera song. And Denzel Washington, who's very much... um, had a, oh, we'll we'll say had a negative perspective on on Tom Hanks' plight. He's so moved, and it's just this slow close up that is ever so slightly zooming in on Denzel Washington as he watches Tom Hanks, and this extreme close up you mm-hmm. can't help but fall to pieces with him. And that for me, that's like okay, we know what emotion Jonathan Demi is getting across here. We feel Denzel Washington. It's the music, it's the picture, it's the performance. Everything comes together. Yeah, it's 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 the subtle the subtle things, and some some directors can, like you mentioned, those bright blues, those reds, really evoke that. But some have that subtle touch where, like you you don't know what's happening, but you know it's happening, and you're feeling things that you're like, why why like like you 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 get emotional for a reason that you don't know until you look back at it, and you're like oh, it was this point, it was this slight move of the camera, this zoom in, this shade, this this lighting, it was you know. Yeah, like and quite that. often you're not going to realize these on a first watch or even a second. It might be that 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 um fourth or no. fifth. Brendan, which movie did? Oh, yeah, you said it was Spider Verse. You've watched it for the fifth time, and finally, then the the penny kind of dropped for yeah. you. That's when you know you've got an amazing picture, and uh, it was some just some masterful directors at the top of their craft. Yeah, definitely, and just the uh, I, I think it, it it even with our personal situations, you know, for, for me, you know, having like, he, he was having, not to say I have huge issues with my father, but like, it was like his father and son relationship. That was something that I could relate to. And then it just, it, it melted me together. I was like, what? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're absolutely correct. All of these things are, are very Freudian. Everything relates to our childhood and much of our, our views and emotions are all related to the experience with the mother and the father. So you are 100% correct. Everyone's got a story to tell and I'm sure all of us could share something. We're getting pretty deep here in this deep dish. Does someone want to bring us out, Mark? Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking like too, um, I was listening to you guys' uh, episode where you're talking about Parasite. And uh, you guys were talking, uh, there was a point you guys brought up about the kid with his painting. Um, and, and you see like the mom and she's like freaking out because she's like, she wants to know, like she wants to get inside her kid's heads and understand how he works. And I was thinking of that emotion too, right? This mom is so gullible and she, she freaks out at any little thing. And you see like the manipulation of like how that movie's working. That's another emotion too, but it's not a sad emotion. It's an almost creepy emotion, right? This family is moving in on them and, and just taking advantage of them, even though from their point, they're doing it because they just want to get away from their life. Oh, yeah, for sure. But what really works there is Bong Joon-ho just nails the tone, whether it's whether it's meant to be creepy but still have a humorous take on it as much as the movie does. Um, he keeps things lighthearted. He, he just goes from one end of the spectrum to the other. That's a film where it really works compared to some other features and even some of his where he doesn't always um, get it 100%. But, yeah, Parasite, even just some of the throwaway lines in this, talking um, lines like one of the characters keeps mentioning the word metaphorical, even though he clearly has no idea what it means. And then that particular painting where the mother's concerned that it's a it's a sign of, of her son being schizophrenic. Yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to that, that, uh, that movie too... It's one of those movies where, like, almost the discussion is just as entertaining as watching the movie because there's just so many little things and other little layers to that movie. You're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I've never thought of like this. I bet Bong Joon-ho was probably 
trying to do something. Oh yeah, with for that. sure. That movie is all about the subtext, as any good screenplay, any good script should be. Um, if you talk about the aspects of a film that invoke emotion, even you're talking about the screenplay, then you can't pass up a screenwriter like Charlie Kaufman, who wrote Being John Malkovich and Adaptation and uh, a Mona Lisa. That's a guy whose scripts just make for such fascinating reads, and you can feel everything he wants to get across just off the page. Right. Yeah, no, writing is a huge thing, too. I think that's why I'm such a big Aaron Sorkin fan, because that guy can make anything oh, yeah. sound interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to David with him like this, um, the, the movie Moneyball. Like, you don't have to be into baseball, but you could watch that movie, and baseball will be entertaining just from that standpoint, right? The whole, we don't have money to get a championship team, uh, but we, we have statistics. And he makes statistics and numbers uh, it's oh yeah, for sure. I um, I implored Dan. Now we watched this podcast co-host to uh to finally watch Molly's game, and he was watching it last night. Would have been morning your time, and he's texting me every twenty minutes, just saying, "Yes, I love this movie, Aaron Sorkin. Wow!" And yeah, it's just just dripping with sharp, sharp, witty dialogue. Yeah, so, yeah, just... yeah. Well, I, I got a question about that too. What percentage of importance would you put on? the dialogue itself and who's in delivery of said dialogue. Like if you had maybe a bland script, but you had Denzel Washington at his best, just deliver it. You know, I want to drink this cup of water. And he's like, Oh my God, I want to drink that water too. But I don't know why. Is it, is it him or is it like this? Is it more sort of the script that kind of. Oh, it's um, it's okay. If it's a bad actor delivering a great script, that's not necessarily going to be a win. Neither is a great actor delivering a, a bad script. Okay. Um, the it, it's got to be a decent right, enough yeah. screenplay there has to be enough subtext going on every every line of dialogue particularly from your character yeah every line of dialogue from your characters you want to always be getting across their motivations what do they want out of this exchange what do they want to be doing in this scene how does this bleed into the overall um narrative right so mm-hmm. it, I place a lot of yeah, importance yeah, yeah. on the script. I've oh. done some work into being a screenwriter and I've read several books. And if you haven't got a sound script from the start, it's going to fall to pieces. And that kind of bleeds into another question we've got here. If you're all ready to get into it. Hey, yeah. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. yeah um, fantastic. Mark, what's that next question? Oh uh, yeah. Let me pull up right now. Uh, what were we, uh, my bad. I'm, I'm, I'm Mark. Yeah, I know. I'm so unorganized. Look at that. Together, man. I'm off. Look at me. It was uh oh the Snyder cut yeah that was so that was the main thing. What what I was gonna ask is like okay if the Snyder cut comes out, uh do you think that it could actually fix? Sure, why not? And guess who hasn't seen who hasn't seen Justice League? No, I've got zero interest. Oh. Yeah, no, oh. we had like a bit going on too. We we're like, this is going to be the worst what, thing what, ever. It's not, it's not a question. It is a very this segment like... of the podcast where we cover the question. <laughs> <laughs> this part is not going to be very good. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's um. Here's the thing about Justice League: it's a lot of a character just kind of shows up. And if you don't already know the backstory of that character, then you're is that such a big issue when we're dealing with characters it, it who just, are yeah. who are who is such a big part of pop culture. Definitely. Some characters who have, like I was, I kind of explained to the guys in the last pod, um, if if it's done correctly, like you take a heist film, like baby driver, you don't need, you don't need like a film for every one of those characters, but it's written and done in a way where you understand where they're coming from, who they are without having all this exposition about what they do. And if you do that, if you make a justice league film, based off like a, a heist type of deal, which I heard that that's what they were trying to do, but they kind of failed at it. Then you don't necessarily need, I mean, with DC you would cause it's comic books, but in any other case, you wouldn't need them at all. I love that you point to a heist film there, Brendan, because what's the highest grossing superhero movie ever? Oh, Oh, I'm going to take Let a guess. Think, uh, well, I'm Deadpool's beat pretty hard. So um, end, right, Endgame, Endgame is easily the highest. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the yeah. most. It's probably going to go down as one of the most popular films ever, if not the most popular. What was Endgame? A heist movie. There you go. A heist so, movie. Now yeah. I haven't seen Justice League. Okay, I'm going to pose this question to the three of you because it sounds like you've all watched it at least a couple times over. Probably hated every experience. I imagine. What kind of movie is Justice League? As I love it. it. Stands, I love directed that. by Joss Whedon. What we got in the theatrical cut. 
you get of, I mean, it's not really a heist movie more than it's just a Steppenwolf shows up, takes the boxes. Hey, he hasn't taken this last box. Justice League gets the last box and they use it to resurrect Superman. He comes back, movie's over. The best yeah. way to describe it is just a fifth grader with a box full of toys and just dump it on his bed and he just starts doing, oh, Superman flies in and oh, he's alive now, yay. And then Batman does this. Oh. So it's like a Toy Story that Andy's And then just a five, movie. yeah, just a fifth grader just smashing toys together. It really oh, is just like, oh, Superman's here. Now we have to go to the uh, cliche, everyone looks up at him and they smile yeah, right. because he's so, here now. So if kind you read Blake Snyder's book, Save the Cat, which is a, a book all about screenwriting, there are only, and I believe he, he mentions about 10 different types of movies where it's a, where a movie and its story, its plot is going to fit into a certain type, whether it's a hero's journey or whether it's, we have to go, we have to go save this thing. Someone has to find themselves. A movie needs to know it's, it's kind of identity. It has to be clear in the screenplay. It's got to be, it's got to be evident mm-hmm. in the production and the director's vision, of course, has to bleed into that. If these elements are working against one another, it's going to fall to pieces. It doesn't matter who's in the director's chair, who the cast is, or what kind of marketing it's got. It's going to fall apart. It sounds like to me that Justice League did not have that sense of identity, um, not just because of the production, but probably because of the studio. Sure, you've changed directors from Zack Snyder to Joss Whedon, but when there's so much pressure from the studio tearing it from left to right, no one really has any idea and wants to get a, a firm hold on it. That's why it's fallen apart. This picture, if it's going to be improved in the Snyder cut, yeah, needs yeah. that sense of identity. Because if that's lacking and we don't know what kind of movie it is, we're just going to get the same thing. For 20 or $30 million, what do you all think? Is that going to fix this? I think, this is my honest opinion, I want to say it's not going to, it's not going to fix the problem, but it's going to make, it's going to make the, 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 the damage a little less, only because what, what W, what Warner Brothers did, and what what Whedon did, they kind of they took the important parts out and put less important parts in, which made it this hodgepodge of where's the story going. And then with the Snyder cut, now we have not only extra footage but extra story to to explain a lot of what's going on, to explain a lot of like Superman's return. Like I hope they do his original plan for the return. It wasn't like the whole mother box thing, but there's just a lot of of heart that was ripped from the film. Um, I don't think it's going to be like 100% Rotten Tomatoes, but I do think it's going to go from a film that people hate to a decent film that's you can you can thoroughly enjoy and not be confused. This is very meh. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say, like, the biggest problem, I think, with that movie is that it's not so much a, a heist movie or anything. It's just how quickly can we get the Justice League together and then they just start fighting. Yeah. Right? Because every, every big movie always wants their Avengers... 360 shot right and i think justice league was more focused on that than actually trying to build up this character and actually trying to get some good chemistry with this team yeah right it sounds like to me that the movie was definitely lacking a through line and it's not the only Zack snyder i guess worked on film it he wasn't credited as the director but he definitely was he's very much a visual storyteller and that's where he kind of does his best work and less in delivering a total coherent vision, but he's a man with a, a lot of great ideas. Two thousand and was it two thousand and nine that Watchmen came out? Maybe two thousand and eight. I still think that's still a pretty yeah. yeah I still think that's a pretty good film, but it's definitely lacking that same solid through line. And Man of Steel has a lot of great ideas. Batman versus Superman, we definitely don't need to go into. But hmm. <gasps> oh, you're kidding. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I have to struggle between being a major DC fanboy and being a film guy. No, because, being like, a sensible human being. Are you being? struggling <laughs> with your identity, <laughs> Brendan? Like, Brendan? I am. Because I saw BBS. I was like, I'm so hyped. This movie is great. And I saw what? it again. I'm like, this movie is good. And I'm like, this. They, oh, I fell apart. And he's like, I can't watch it a third time. Maybe it worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the hype. Yeah, it's just it's it's a very. I think with the thing with the Snyder cut, if if that comes in, it's visual. the The other side of that, though, too, it seems to me like the Snyder cut was a lot more of how many more characters can we fit into this as well? Because you have like Martian Manhunter showing up, you have Adam showing up, um, you have Darkseid showing up. It just to me, it just sounds like let's just get all the characters packed into the screen, and then let's let's have our heroic all of them are standing together uh, scene. Right, and that becomes the movie. Mm, I guess that's not so bad, but 
if you're trying to get a movie that needs to pull in a billion dollars at the box office, you probably need a little bit more than that, right? You're absolutely going to need that too. And, and two, you know, sure, the DC fans want the Snyder Cut, but does the mainstream audience want that? Oh, they want it. Believe me. You want it. They want it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, All you of them do. want it. I speak, I speak for the entire human race when I say thank you for the Snyder Cut. Clearly thank enough, you. people want it because yeah. we're getting it next year. And plus, you <laughs> yeah they're, they're gonna they're gonna wait it out for them yes and then the thing about it is like we there were so many rumors and not even rumors stuff that zach was like yeah i was gonna have the green lantern i was gonna have dark side but a lot of what i mean there was a lantern in just like very briefly but a lot of what i'm hearing is seeds he's planning because he originally planned for a three-picture thing with justice League. i don't think I, I certainly don't think Marsh Manor was going to be in full costume fighting with them. I certainly don't think any of the lanterns were going to be it. But I think he was, he's trying a really hard to world build and he was planting those seeds, but it just, of course, it didn't pan out because of the cuts. Yeah. And, and the worst part about, too, like all those cuts and everything, too, it just, it takes away from the movie because you have the whole Henry Cavill and his, his mustache, right? That becomes a distraction. Oh, it becomes the whole Joss Whedon had to come in and you don't know what was his idea and what was Zach's, right? Who, who really takes the blame for some of that stuff? That movie's such a mess. And I'm just, I'm wondering like how much of the Snyder can, can actually fix that movie? Well, I think, if, that's, if it I think you just mentioned there, Mark, the one so true great. answer to what can this, the Snyder Cup fix? And that is definitely Henry Cavill's mustache. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bring up, <laughs> but he has to actually have the put the mustache in there this time. Yeah, actually, just have just have his character from Mission Impossible in that movie. Ah, yeah. Well, I, I heard that it's actually easier yeah. for the CG yeah. team to add hair than take away. So I'm hoping he, he gets at least give him a beard and give him his mullet from the original comics, and then the black suit, and I'll be happy. That's all I want. Yeah, he, just, he just wants some some good fan service. I think if anything, that's all this cut will really do. Just let's just get some cool fan service because I don't think that we'll continue with the DC universe the way I think they intended it. I think it's just going to keep one off like Joker and Batman. Was there, there was, there is, there was a recent announcement that that Warner brothers is uh, talking about Henry Cavill's future as Superman for future film. I, there was a lot of rumors like you, Oh, they're talking about him cameo. But, uh, the, yeah. But like, I think it's more thing. like Shazam and maybe him showing up in maybe a birds of prey movie. Uh, well, I think that's what they're mostly aiming for. They compared him more to like a Nick Fury type of thing where he's there, but he's not. Isn't that the best thing that you can do so with Superman? There, like he because he just, while he might have been the, the first big blockbuster superhero yeah. on the on the silver screen played by Christopher Reeves, he's kind of that character that he's just right. omnipotent. He can just come in and basically save the day. So isn't the best thing that you can do take him out of the picture and focus on these smaller stories? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I hated about Justice League, as a matter of fact, that they struggled for so long against Steppenwolf and, and all the parademons, and then Superman shows up, and the movie is done in 15. I'm like, oh, well, okay. What and of the course, they, they were planning on that. That was always yeah. like, Superman's going to come in and save the day because mm -hmm. he's just the most powerful. Yeah. And, and you have to have him highlighted and just come in and, and take the credit for everything. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. that. I'm, I'm assuming we don't continue on with that. I don't know where Shazam will go. Or Birds of Prey will go, but I can't imagine we get another Justice League movie. I think that'll yeah, be not it. With the original, yeah. I, I could see it maybe in like six or seven years when things start. Maybe, out, but you know, if we're if, so, if we're getting this next year on HBO Max, it, and it could be what a four-hour movie or maybe a sick, maybe a six-part limited TV series like we got with Tarantino's film The Hateful Eight, where that was kind of split into different parts with more footage for Netflix. Maybe we could see something similar there at a fifteen-dollar USD price tag, which comes in close to twenty-five mm -hmm. or thirty dollars here in Australia, and that's certainly a lot more than the price of one movie ticket. Are they going to get enough people to sign up to this service to break even? Potentially, yeah. So maybe that's where we'll continue to get a lot of these directors' cuts if said directors are interested in doing them. Um, just having a look here at Zack Snyder's cut, it's far from the first kind of uh, director's cut released um, or announced to be to be released in the future. So things like Apocalypse Now, the Redux by Francis Ford Coppola that's about an hour or so longer, that's a famous one, and Donnie Darko, which was um, recut by... Uh, Richard Kelly in the early DVD days. That's another famous movie. And wasn't there like an Exorcist director's cut and an Alien one as well by Ridley Scott? And they were all made theatrical released. Oh yeah, Ridley, Ridley Scott has like 
four oh, Blade Runner. cuts of, of Alien. He also has like four different Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of cuts. A- yeah, Exorcist also has, um, I think, two cuts. Uh, the one that just has the spider walk scene in the beginning, that's mostly what that is. And then, of course, just the theatrical cut. Uh, I was thinking, too, the, like with the HBO Max thing, it's like, I think the whole Zack Snyder thing, I don't think they're trying to push that. I think right now they're already trying to push it now with like having friends on there. And then, of course, having the entire discography of Game of Thrones. I think they're going to try to push that more and then try to keep people with the Snyder cut. Right. Oh, keep, correct. Keep All we've got is 2021. We, just... we haven't got a hard date or anything to go by. We're only 10 days or so recording this podcast since it was announced. So we just don't know. Right. right. And you, you have to certainly generate enough interest in these. I mean, there's there's the cult following for a lot of these things that we haven't gotten to see with director's cuts. But you, you have to generate enough following that it's going to make a profit because it's going to be a, a lot more expensive to incorporate these things in these films to make the cut than to make money, even with the subscriptions. Like, I mean, what, what like Donnie Darko, you have to generate, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans who are like, yeah, let's do it, but like, you know, is it's it mostly, enough? It's mostly just movie fans itself. Yeah, is that enough to turn a profit? Because I think, I mean, what, the Justice League thing is in like 30 million. That's what we've got like reported that. right now, I mean, but it could get blown yeah, out. Yeah, that's what Who knows, right? And have they, have they done any of these reported reshoots? Well, definitely not in the last several months. No, no, definitely. I mean, if they if they do start shooting it, it would have to be in a couple months. I would I would imagine, right? There's no way they start shooting right now. Well, I heard that they they actually aren't allowed because Dave was talking about they aren't doing reshoots. I think they did get approved for ADR and CGI, but I don't think physical reshoots for the actors to be there have been approved just yet. Those are in the works. I'm surprised they haven't done like um, hey, let's just get everyone together and let's let's test for corona and then we'll have them in enclosed spaces there, there's ways to work around that yeah. be to that, so don't know if like, you know what i'm done i'm surprised he's coming back honestly i'm gonna do my basketball movie just yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Before I cut, cut a a film? Movie, <laughs> please no oh way back the basketball movie. Film that was, yeah. you know? <laughs> i yeah i actually didn't see that one i I seen the trailer and I just saw the whole movie. I was like, yeah, oh, he's a basketball that's, coach. That's he it. The, whole, the, the trailer <laughs> has Ben Affleck, I think, drinking maybe three or four beer cans in the shower. And that is the entire film. You get everything you need from that. <laughs> he's, he's method acting. Wow. It's like, this, this was just him in his shower. We just got this footage. Yeah, we just got this. It's like a Werner Herzog film. He pretends to be shooting a, a, a documentary and then just releases it later as a fiction film. <laughs> <laughs> or what's that uh, what's that Joaquin Phoenix uh, movie I'm, the, I'm the, the one where he's like pretending to be a rapper that's exactly what he's doing <laughs> yeah exactly that's what Ben's doing he's just he's just going to get her from deep oh man uh, look you bastard <laughs> oh. yeah so I'm I personally am very excited um, as a DC fan I'm I'm psyched as a film fan as a cinephile I'm Absolutely. just like let's Gents, see where it goes I'm, you know what I'm intrigued <laughs> as well it. I've made it I've made a significant proclamation that I will not be watching Justice League until this Snyder Cut drops, and I'm going to watch that. Oh, that would actually be a really cool perspective. Is just only seeing that cut and not seeing the original movie. Yeah. I, I think if anything, <laughs> you'll probably be a lot more tolerant to it, just because it's like, oh, I don't want. Correct. And aside aside from what yourselves have told me about Justice League, I really have zero expectations going into this. So it's going to make for interesting recording next week. And later on, and dropping very soon on the We Watch This podcast, we're going to be covering Birds of Prey. So looking at another DC film since DC are making so many headlines right now. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They're they're killing it right now. I don't know if you got a chance. I watched Apocalypse War today. Oh, oh, fantastic man. movie. Oh, man. If that's going to generate any, any type of hype in Justice League... No, I haven't seen it. Should. Have, have yeah. you seen it? Oh, just, just imagine Endgame, but instead of all of your characters that you love being painfully dusted, everyone is just Oof. cut, just slaughtered. Uh, that's, I'm not going to spoil it, just slaughtered. <laughs> yeah. And it hurts to see them go, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a very... Very violent. Okay, hour I, think, and I think you're going to have to link me this one. I'll be sure to check it out. But very. Oh, yeah, yes, definitely. Definitely. So, oh, uh, Jackson, yeah, thank you so much, man. We, we've covered an hour here. We got to cover some awesome topics. We usually uh, go into recommends. So, I don't know if you have anything that you've checked out or, or any. I told you it could be anything. 
that you've been watching, yeah, reading, absolutely. listening. So I'm going to recommend something that I've recently been watching. And after watching The Hunt starring Betty Gilpin and being really impressed by her performance in that, I went back and I started watching Glow on Netflix, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Have any of you checked this out? I have not. I've, uh, I've been interested in it only just because I've gone into some weird, like I started watching wrestling again yeah. just because <laughs> there's no sports. Right. So I'm like, yeah, I, I, it's been on the queue, uh, but I haven't got to check it out yet. My girlfriend didn't give permission to watch that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it because the women at all? Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, it's about that time, isn't it? Okay, so I went back and started watching this, and I've been really impressed with Glow. It's a very complex um, character study on these really awesome, very deep characters, um, brilliantly played by Mark Maron, Alison Brie, and Betty Gilpin, as well as the, the supporting cast, who are all terrific. I think the episodes run no more than maybe 32 or 33 minutes in length. So if, like me, you've got a shocking attention span thanks to the internet, this is perfect for you. Um, and as Netflix do, every episode almost ends with a cliffhanger, or if not, they just want you to keep watching. And I think we're getting a fourth season dropping, probably not this year, maybe next year. I'm currently about midway through season two and loving it. So I can't recommend Glow enough. Go check it out. Yeah, Sweet. I mean, any, anything oh, with Mark Maron. He's great I'm, I'm going to check out. I love that guy. He's, he's uh, fantastic. Yeah, he's, he, has a, he has a fantastic podcast too. Uh, sponsor, yeah, sponsor us by Mark Aaron. Please. Did you have uh, bringing? I do. So um, we were we kind of talked about this last pod, but I do highly recommend uh, an animated animated DCU Ooh. film called Superman Red Sun. And I watched this, and but basically the, the premise is you have a Superman in the so he's he's a uh, Russian Superman Soviet Union. And then you've, you basically all your favorite characters are either Russian, pretty much. I mean, Wonder Woman's the same, but anyways, it's like, what if Superman was raised in the Soviet Union and raised with these these communist ideals and like uh, be a right hand to Stalin and that sort of thing? But what I appreciate about this film, without spoiling it too much, is it's not so much of like an evil Superman story. Like he he does have a lot of his his core values, like his core values about human life and core values about helping people and 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 wanting to see people succeed and having a better society. But you mix that in with Stalin's sort of hard hitting ideas about control and that sort of thing, and so that that corrupts that ideal to a certain degree. But he's still not to his core. He's not a bad person. He just has a different point of view that he wants to to succeed and. Batman is in this film, which was excellent. Um, they, they put him in very, very smooth. Um, well, I'll let you have to watch it to kind of you see where he's brought in. But he's like, this is like a Batman you've never seen. Um, he, he's, <laughs> he, basically, Batman's a terrorist, like a legit terrorist in this film. Um, he's a Batman. Yes, but for, but, but, but for good reasons. Um, sort of. But yeah, uh, this, I, I love this film. Please check it out. It's on, it's not on DC Universe. It's on Redbox. Um, but just check it out. It's, it's very good. Um, it's the story is great. And the characters again are very true to how I believe they would act in a certain situation as the Soviet Union. Brendan, what an, what, what an amazing read there you've check just done as an advertisement yeah. for Superman Red Sun. I think DC animated film should be paying you just to read that synopsis for people. <laughs> like I watched that movie and I was like, you know, what, maybe money. I did miss something. Yeah. I was like, wow. Give me that cash. Let's go. Yeah, I love the first twenty minutes of the movie, and then I got into it. I was like, oh, I just, I've, I, I've seen these type of situations before, but like the way you're bringing it up, I was like, you know, what? yeah, that's. It is a very, very interesting take on what Superman can do mm-hmm. if he's put into that kind of position. Um, let's keep going with DC, man. I, I, oh, okay. I really, really like this uh, Harley Quinn show. That's on the uh, DC universe right now. It is hilarious. It is so incredibly violent. All star cast. It, it reminds me of like the humor is almost Ooh. like a, like a space ghost mm. kind of kind of level. It's very very, very kind of quippy. Um, just things like that, and also Jay Breeze is by very cool. Uh, I, I know a lot of like the DC animated stuff gets real serious, like Red Sun and Apocalypse War, but this, this is a cool transition to just old school kind of animated. Uh, shows like that where it's just it's funny it's violent like it's perfect it's like Tom and Jerry but with cuss words <laughs> and that's that the best way like I can describe it. It, it it's Breeze's by too I think it's a lot of fun oh yeah it's a lot of fun oh yeah super fun 
Dude, David, did you have something? Oh my god, you got my, you got it, you got it, Morty. I was gonna say Tetris. Rick and, uh, Rick and Morty, exactly. Yes, I'm going to recommend Rick and Morty latest seasons. For some reason, if you haven't watched it yet, watch it. It's amazing. It goes back to the original, you know, format instead of trying to be all deep and like you know focus on human psyche, like the our place in the universe and all that. It's just, it's just Rick and Morty shenanigans. It's just Rick and Morty shenanigans. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I love the first Rick couple of seasons of that. I haven't checked out the newer episodes just yet, but what I mean, what a TV show. It just it's it's family guy turned up to eleven and consistently good. Oh yeah, consistently. I was like watching this new season. And like there's no way they could talk about No matter the last how one. big or how little they or are. you are, <laughs> you really, laugh at really the references, are. even if you don't get them. I love um I love oh, is it the aliens or maybe like this weird race that uh recreates called the cronenbergs because they're just these body horror looking um mounds of like flesh i think that's hilarious and i'm thinking no one out here would know what cronenbergs is i think that's just oh, yeah, yeah. yeah no that that last up was was hilarious i ended up like watching it and then re-watching it again just to just try to catch all the jokes i was too busy already oh, laughing at the first one that i missed the next joke so it was yeah yeah so uh, uh, Jackson, man, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you so much for our time, man. We yes, really dude. appreciate you guys. Uh, it's been, it's been a pleasure, man. Absolutely. We, we love your podcast this has been too. A and your stuff fun. on YouTube. Thank you all for yeah. having myself here. It's been a pleasure before we wrap things up. I want to quickly give a, a shout out to the podcast that I'm a part of. So that's the, we watch this movie podcast. You can find us across all social media at we watch this podcast on Instagram, Facebook, letterboxd and Twitter. And you can check out the podcast at we watch this movie podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Pod- Podcasts, and as you mentioned, Mark, YouTube. Plus, you can check out some of my stuff at Marshall on Film, followed by an underscore. So thank you all very much for having me. It was great to meet yourself, Mark, Brendan, and David. Yeah, right. to keep going, Jackson, too. Like, I definitely want to, like, uh, subscribe to you guys' YouTube. The stuff you guys did on, like, Capone and, and Parasite, that stuff was so entertaining. So yeah, man, you guys, well, you guys you really know much. your we movies, appreciate man. It. You guys are, are uh, great. It'd be listener. great to have Dan on here, and maybe we'll see uh, some of yourselves on a future. We watch this episode. Oh yeah, that that'd be that'd be amazing. Can't wait, can't wait. Oh, thank you, Jackson. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to you guys later. All right. Bye bye.